Alrighty then. Now we are in Galatians, the uh, fifth chapter, and uh, we are where Paul is listing the acts of the sinful nature versus the results of living in the spirit. We'll, we'll back up just a bit, start at verse 16, kind of get a context of where we're at in this. What he says, he says, he says, so I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is the war that we all feel within us as believers. This war, this struggle between doing what God wants to do and what uh, wants us to do and what our sinful nature wants us to do. We all feel that struggle. Uh, he says, if you live by the spirit, then you win in that battle. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, then you're not under the obligations of the Old Testament law. It's got to slap you every time for every little thing. Uh, but then he goes on, and and he, you know, it would be easy to say, well, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. Sinful nature, spirit, blah, blah. And he goes, no, 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 no. Let's take a look at it. What exactly are we talking about? And then he says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Why does he have to do it? Because a lot of people just don't get it. They don't get it. They think you're talking in some ethereal terms and what they think is sinful or versus they just make up in their own mind. No, no, no. God's word is very clear on what's right and what is wrong. And we need to do that which is right. Stay away from that which is wrong. So he starts listing very specifically these acts that are in the sinful nature. He starts with uh, four of them and ends with one that all has to do with sexual sin. Um, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, blah, 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 ends with orgies and the like. So, I mean, right away in this list is sexual sin. I am convinced that in this one area alone, if Christians would get a clue here, we would have much more powerful, dynamic churches. People say, well, what? how come we don't have more miracles in churches? How come we, we don't see more stuff? Are you kidding? Good grief. Our churches are filled up to their eyeballs of people who commit all kinds of sexual sins and think nothing of it and think, well, as long as I believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter. It does matter, and we'll see here. Uh, one thing that the devil wants you to believe is that these things do not matter. And uh, so how do you know that? Well, we actually got on videotape an interview with the devil about this very subject. <laughs> What's up, Satan? So, talking sex. I'm ready. Uh, so you for oral sex? Definitely for oral sex. Definitely. Wait, but is oral sex sex? Uh, it's not sex. Uh, I plead the fifth. If you're living uh, in today's age and and you're not okay with oral sex, uh, you you know the 90s have called. It's what you do. You you get dinner. You have a movie. Uh, oral sex. You go home at night. That's I mean that's that's part of the dating process. I mean. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Uh, will premarital sex help your dating relationship? I, I definitely, I'd say, you know, you got to get after that early. you got to start early. Will, uh, will living together help you prepare for marriage? You know, here's the deal. You know, you wouldn't buy a car without going out and put some miles on it. And I, I mean, how, how, how could you marry someone if you don't even know what it's going to be like? I mean, you've got to try that out. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> uh, what do you think about pornography? The, the biggest problem with pornography in my mind is that kids today don't realize how hard it used to be to get pornography. You used to have to work to get that stuff. You actually had to go to the store. Is this, uh, is this decaf or? Think about masturbation. Uh, masturbation, definitely for it. Uh, I'll tell you what, I got to give it up. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't create things, but I got to thank God for masturbation. Let me tell you something about masturbation. Number one, masturbation's never hurt anybody, all right? And number two, Masturbation's awesome. I don't do it though, personally. But adultery. Do you really want to be locked down with one person? There's how what like six billion people in the world? I mean, that might be what your grandparents thought. We're in a different generation, baby. I've done lots of great things for you. Uh cats and the plague. So about uh, homosexuality. If a guy wants to be with another guy. Hey, props to him. More chicks for the rest of us. Am I right? Huh? He knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't have a problem with it personally. I mean, you like diet soda, I don't. You know? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so uh, if you agree with those thought lines, you kind of know where you're lining up there. Anyway, 
Moving on to our list of stuff. We went into, uh, we went through this in great detail earlier. We saw this funny clip. I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Uh, then we, uh, he talks about idolatry, witchcraft. We talked about that. Hatred. That's very obvious. And now the next word in this list of things that are obvious, he says, is discord. And uh, actually, if, if you, he, he kind of uses some, several of the same words, kind of, but he doesn't keep them all together. Like he starts with these sexual thins, sins and ends with sexual sins and sticks some in the middle. Um, same is here. Discord, and then if you look ahead, um, dissensions and factions. They're basically all the same thing. In fact, I even got checked up all these cool definitions here. Discord. What is discord? Discord is a lack of harmony or agreement between persons. Dissension. What does that mean? Disagreement in opinion, especially partisan and contentious. Factions. A party combination or clique often contentious, self-seeking or reckless of the common good. In other words, um, the, the, the real spirit of this that is bad is when people start um, splitting into groups and having dissension. It doesn't necessarily mean if two people don't necessarily get along. Okay, I know a lot of Christians have a hard time, you know, they get very disturbed if they hear that people in, you know, there's a couple of guys in the church that aren't getting along, or even some pastors that don't get along or disagree with other pastors and stuff like that, and they're quick to pull, you know, there's dissension, we've got to pray about dissension, that's not dissension, dissensions, what he's talking about, take a look at 1 Corinthians, the uh, first chapter, 1 Corinthians, and see if we can find this here. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and starting in verse 10. He writes, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. He's talking as the church in general. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. So he clarifies it. Not just that some people don't always agree. But there, there's a group splitting. He says, one of you says, well, I follow Paul. I follow the Apostle Paul. I like Apostle Paul. He preaches better than the other apostles. I like him. And then the other one says, well, I like Apollos. He's a whole lot more spiritual than Paul. Paul's a nitwit. I like Apollos. Another one says, well, I follow Cephas. That's, that's Peter. You know, I, we, we like Brother Peter. He's happy. And then the real spiritual people say, well, I, I follow Christ. I only listen to what God has to say. You know, and what was happening is uh, the church was dividing. He asked the question, he said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? He goes on to fight this idea of churches splitting off because they can't agree. And, and groups of people say, well, I like Pastor Mark better than I don't like Pastor Lathan. Or I like Pastor Lathan better than Pastor Gary. And Pastor Gary's crazy or whatever the thing. Everybody's fighting. And, and it's, is he here? There he is. He is crazy. But uh, and, uh, and, and everybody just fighting and, and, and get these cliques and you try to get groups around you and say, well, I'm more for this pastor and, and I'm more for that pastor. And so these, these are the kind of dissentious things uh, that are destroying to a church. Now, are you saying it's okay not to agree with everybody uh, on, on a personal level? Yeah, I guess so. You know, I mean, it would be great if we all fought the same and got along all the time. But that's not the kind of dissension that he's talking about. If, it's, if it is, then he's a little schizophrenic. Because look at Acts, the 15th chapter. Uh, Acts, the 15th chapter. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. I would find it if I could count to 15. There it is. Okay. Acts, the 15th chapter, verse... Thirty-six. We'll jump into verse thirty-six. Okay. So, sometime later, this is the history of, of the New Testament church, and specifically, they're following the life of Paul at this point in the Book of Acts. It says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas. Now, if you're reading the Bible up to this time, it's Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. These guys are buds. They're hanging. They're grooving. They're they're moving for Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Changing the world. Paul and Barnabas. They love each other. Love, hug, and kisses. Okay? But, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Hey, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Well, Barnabas wanted to take John. This is John Mark. Well, John also called Mark with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Now, I don't know who you think is more spiritual here in this particular situation. 
I mean, Paul says to Barnabas, let's go. And he says, great, well, let's get, let's get John Mark. I ain't taking John Mark because he messed up. Well, now, Paul, you need to be more forgiving. need to be more understanding because he had a hard time there and struggling. We need to just accept him. And Paul didn't agree. And they got into this big yo mama fight. Uh, and uh, I don't know if the word yo mama's in there. But uh, it says in verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So up to this point, it's Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And from now on, you're going to be reading about Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas. Why is that? Because Paul and Barnabas had fallen out. They did not agree. They disagreed. Are they both going to hell? I don't think so. Okay? It's just they didn't agree. Sometimes that happens. You know, you do your best. You love people. You try to get along. The, both these guys had the, the, the concern of, of Christ and the, and the kingdom of God at hand. Um, but, you know, they had this split. Uh, if, if I was forced to pick sides, you know, and not knowing what I know now, that Paul wound up writing most of the New Testament. <laughs> knowing that, you go for Paul's side. But at this time, I, I think, you know, hey, Barnabas is the right guy here. Right? I mean, Mark messed up. You know, you got to give Mark a break. And uh, <laughs> he's just Mark, you know, he messes up. You know, take him along, give him another chance. That would have been, but they, they, they couldn't agree. They had, they had this big split and this, this big fight. Uh, this was not totally unusual in the kingdom of God. Uh, look at uh, the book of uh, Philippians. It's just the next, we got Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians. Philippians, at the end of Philippians, the fourth chapter, uh, and I'm going to massacre these names because so I don't know how to say this. Uh, but in, in, in Philippians 4th chapter, verses two, at verse 2, he says, I plead with, uh, I don't know how to say that, Yoda? Sounds like Yoda. Uh, and, and I plead with Syntica, whatever his name is. Anyway, these two guys, I plead with them to agree with each other in the Lord. Why? Because apparently these guys got on each other's nerves. They fought. They had a hard time. They didn't like each other. You know, I'm sure in Christian love, they had to love. We always have to love everybody. We have to forgive everybody. But, you know, how many of you know there's some people that just rub you the wrong way? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean you're evil. Does it? Now, you still need to be kind towards those people. You need to be un. Uh, you need to be forgiving, not unforgiving. You need to be forgiving of them. And, and, and don't be mean and nasty and stuff. But. <laughs> A little, little children's torture back there. Ah! Um, you need, you need. But let's face it: not everybody agrees. And I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I get, um, I get a little frustrated sometimes with, with Christians who who come unglued when people don't all agree. You've heard me preach from the pulpit. We don't all have to agree. Okay. Now he says here that the, uh, you know. Paul encourages everybody to be of one heart and one mind and one accord. Yeah, you know, generally we, we do need to think that way as a church. We need to have the same purpose of heart and to advance God's kingdom. But even in the context of that, we can get on each other's nerves. We can disagree with each other. We, we won't, and that's okay. It's not the end of the world. You know, I might plead with you like Paul. Come on, guys, get along. You know, some of you might plead with me. <laughs> you know, come on, get along with this guy, Pastor. I can't, he's driving me crazy. You know, but it, it's, it's not hatred, it's not hypocrisy, it's just there's this struggle sometimes in the flesh. And it's not this uh, spirit of dissension and, and stuff uh, in the church. A lot of times, uh, uh, churches will see some Christian leaders, you know, elders in the church, whatever, some guys who are established believers, not getting along and not agreeing, and they get all worried and, and think that it's a dissension and stuff. I don't think it really boils down into that until you start getting, you know, whole groups of people rallying around people. And then you start that whole thing. You start positioning for power and stuff. And you start splitting the church, you know, and we're going to go start our own church because we don't like this guy. And I'm going to start my church because this guy's a big fat jerk. That's dissension. That's the factions. That's the splitting off. That's that party spirit. When the Bible talks about party spirit, it's not talking about going out and partying. It's talking about, you know, like, you know, the Democrat party, and the Republican party, and Marky's party, and Bobby's party, and, you know, and this, it's the splitting up of groups that, uh, as Christians, we really need to avoid at all times. But the idea that Christians cannot 
have honest disagreements with each other, uh, particularly on a one-to-one basis, is, uh, is just, I, I just think it's wrong. I, I, a lot of people freak out whenever there's any kind of conflict. Conflict is okay. You know, I teach a lot on, on marriage and family. You know, you can't have a close marriage if you don't have conflict. Conflict is the key to intimacy. Based on that, some of you should be very intimate with each other. But, but it is. You can't. You can't. When you get in that, that conflict and you work through that, this is where intimacy is forged. This is what helps you to work and, and, and bind together for a lifetime. Fighting through issues. But if you think that um, conflict is bad, Pastor, we have conflict. There's going to be something wrong with our marriage. No. I don't know if you're strangling each other or something wrong, but just conflict in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's okay to yell at each other sometimes. Somebody say amen. amen. There you go, a couple of people. Yeah, praise God, Hallelujah. You know, there's, you know, honestly, there's people who I, I when I when I first, uh, <laughs> I've told this story many times. I wonder if she's even here. I'm looking to see whose sins I'm confessing here. But uh, when I when I first. Uh, came to Green Bay, uh, this one lady said, uh, Pastor Mark, I, I, I got to talk to you. I, I've, got a, I, I've got a horrible confession to make. And, uh, and I, ooh, you know, ooh, we're all, all, all up for that. You know, let's hear what she's got to say. <laughs> you know, so, uh, hey, what, what you got? What would you do? What would you do? And, uh, and uh, she says, well, well, I, 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 I yell at my kids. And I went, and? And, and she said, well, that's it. I said, you're kidding me. She says, no. I said, do they deserve to get yelled at? She said, yes. I said, well, then yell at them. <laughs> she said, well, all the girls in my Bible study said that's wrong. I said, oh, please. Come on. There's this idea that you can't have any kind of conflict, any kind of raising your voices, any kind of... Oh, Good grief, toughen up a little bit. It's all right. Now don't get mean. You don't get mean and cursing and demeaning and humiliating. You know, that's not okay, I said. But you need to blow off some steam and blow off some steam. It's okay. There's Well, pastor, doesn't, doesn't the Bible say be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other? Yeah, Paul wrote that. This is the guy who in Galatians said... Go to hell and cut your wieners off. <laughs> That's what he said. Look at it. Galatians chapter 1. He's writing about these guys in the church who are causing this problem, and preaching some other kind of twisted gospel. And in verse 9 he says, If anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. What does that mean? It means go to hell. And then in chapter 5, verse 12. He says, as for those agitators, I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Which means, cut your wieners off. And I mean, this, this is a guy who had no problem with getting in people's faces. This is a guy who got in Barnabas. Like, I'm that taking John Mark. He's a... Ah. Now, later on, it's interesting. Paul wrote about John Mark and said, bring him on. You know, he, he eventually uh, uh, you know, gave in on this thing. But there's a normal amount of conflict and struggles and varying of opinions. That's okay. That's, in, in some cases, is actually healthy. Sometimes we have meetings in my office with people who do not agree. And, uh, and we, and it's a good thing. We usually walk out, everybody feeling better than they did from the beginning. You know, but not to freak out. You know, I, I heard one pastor, he's preaching. I don't know what drugs he was smoking, but he starts out and he, he, he's on TV and he says, if you want a successful marriage, step number one, at all costs, avoid conflict. I think, well, good. See, but that's Christianity today. Nobody yell. Nobody yell. Everyone stay calm. Everyone stay calm. And if that comes, you know, because, you know, we do a lot of temperament studies and, and most pastors have that kind of temperament that's just it's like some of them are on morphine you can see them they don't they don't respond much to anything they, you know they just always and that's okay but that doesn't make it holier than the Puerto Rican who yells at people alright 
It's just different. Okay, we don't all have to be... People who never express the things that, that, that are bugging them. And, and not all conflict has to be screaming and hollering. I mean, you can have very calm conflict where you sit down and say, Look, some, Pastor, this is bugging me. You know, this what, the way you're doing things or the way the church is running really irritates the dickens out of me. And, and we can talk that through. And that's okay. And at the end, we may not still agree. But that all of that is okay. People who in their relationships avoid conflict and keep setting it on a shelf, eventually that shelf gets very heavy. And it eventually collapses and everything comes falling apart. So this, this idea promoted by so much of evangelical Christianity that peace and calmness and never confronting people is the best way to advance the kingdom of God. I don't know where they get it from because it's not in here. And I just showed you some pretty strong words that these guys used and... and, and uh, Anyway, so that's that. That's that's what all the dissensions and factions and stuff like that. Okay, so he says discord, and then and then jealousy, and uh, and actually you could couple that with uh, envy, which he says a few words down. Be easier if you put them all together. But um, same kind of thing. Jealousy uh, basically is interpreted. As, there's two kinds of jealousy. One is a good one. Uh, one is a is not a good one. The good one is a jealousy that's intolerant. Of unfaithfulness. That's a, that's a good kind of jealousy. God has that kind of jealousy about us. Remember he said I am a jealous God. So jealousy obviously in that ther- term is not bad. It's God is good. You know he's holy. He's righteous. So when God what he's intolerant is of, our, 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 of people's unfaithfulness towards him. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. This is God's view of things. Okay. He's intolerant of people and who make other things more important to, uh, to them than God. All right, uh, people in a marriage relationships, I uh, think it's okay to be intolerant of an unfaithfulness. Okay, this that that's a healthy, normal thing. But the negative one is the one that he's really talking about here. He says uh, it means to be hostile, hostile toward one believed to enjoy an advantage. Uh, and envy is pretty much the same way. A painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another. You see someone having an advantage that you do not have. And... That's when the claws start coming out. He shouldn't have... you know, And it can be all kinds of advantages. It can be... Uh, um, you know, financial advantages. It could be uh, relational advantages. Yeah, he just got that promotion because he's a, he's the boss's son. You know, I'm stupid jerk. You know, just and that's all it is is envy. You see somebody having an advantage. Don't be like that. Don't get caught up in these class envy uh, fights. We're getting ready for you know uh, another political season. And these nitwits are going to go at each other's throats all day long. We're going to hear, you know, we got to go. People need to pay their fair share. It's not right. The rich people have more than the poor people. You know, just trying to create this even thing that just it just doesn't exist. It's basically rooted in envy. Now, I'm not against people paying their fair share, but it's it's fundamentally, it's, I envy that guy. He shouldn't have more money than I should. I, I mean, he's get it, you know. Just man, don't get caught up in all of that resenting other people. Because of an advantage that they have. People, we're not all the same. You know, God created us equal in the sense of, of value to him and as human beings. But not everybody's the same. Some people have an advantage uh, in life. You know, some people, when it comes to physical strength, you know, Donald has an advantage over me. Because he's big and I'm little. And, uh... He plays football. I could be a football, you know. And it's and and you know I don't get mad. Oh, he just plays because he's bigger than me. That's not fair. That he should be bigger. Oh, for crying out loud! I mean, th- that kind of envying and stuff is destructive to people. Don't be envying other people. Just mind your own business and be thankful for what God has given you. That's where you need to be. I'm going to be preaching about thankfulness on Sunday. You know, we need to be thankful. Quit uh, looking at everybody else and checking out what they've got. Um, fits of rage. This is another one. Fits of rage. Uh, what was the deal on this one? A violent and uncontrolled anger. 
Now, it's okay to get angry. You know, we read in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Remember when we were doing study on Ephesians, he says, uh, in your anger, don't sin. King James says, be angry, but don't sin. In other words, God actually, the New Testament actually gives you permission to be angry. He said, well, I'm so mad, I'm so mad. That's okay. Sometimes things make us mad. Sometimes I'll make you mad. Sometimes somebody in the church will make you mad. It's okay to be, but you don't sin. Don't get destructive. Don't get mean. And particularly, this fits of rage that we're talking about are people who lose control in their anger and say horribly mean things to each other. Or men who hit their wives and, uh, and, 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 and beat their children in fits of rage. That's not being a man. Do not act like that. If I find you're beating your wife, me and Donald are going to come talk to you. Have a prayer meeting, brother. We lay hands on them. Cast the devil out of you. Don't be hitting somebody like that. You need to control yourself. But fits of rage are saying, Rah, I can't help it. I'm German. I don't care what you are. <laughs> it's a thing of the flesh and it's destructive. And if you get caught into fits of rage where you lose control, you need to get some help. What you really need to do is start walking in the spirit. Because if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I can't help it. Yes, you can. Well, why does that happen to me? Because you don't walk in the spirit. You're not spiritually minded. You're just caught up in the things of the flesh all the time. Thinking about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Well, it's not about you. You do that and fits of rage will will destroy your life. Um, Next one he talks about selfish ambition. Um, You know, that's that that strong desire to, to get ahead. Um. Actually, I was kind of reading the words on this. It comes from two different words. Uh, ambiotio, which means soliciting of votes. And ambire, which means to go around. So ambition is about going around soliciting votes for yourself. It's about controlling things and, and rigging things so that you can get ahead and you can get ahead and you can get ahead. And trying to be the fastest rat in the rat race. And trying to get on to the, to the top of the ladder and do whatever you can to knock others down so you can go up higher. That is not a thing of the spirit. You need to be careful. Don't be uh, ambitious. You need to be. You need to be humble. You need to be humble. Desiring power is not a sign of humility. You know, every once in a while, you know, we'll have somebody come to meet with us in the church and say, "Well, well can I help you?" Yes, I. I want to be on the elders' board. And you know, they're never going to be on the elders' board. <laughs> Anybody who asks for the job doesn't know what they're talking about, and they're certainly not going to grant it to them because they're asking for power. We don't give that out. You pretty much can guarantee you'll never be on any leadership thing around here. The ones I want are the ones who I say, I want you to be on the elder board. They go, oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man, I don't need that. I got a life, you know. (laughs) Sign up, brother. You're my man. (laughs) People who don't want power. These are the ones who need to have it. Get involved in that kind of stuff. So uh, um, uh, the rest pretty much duplicated. Uh, Drunkenness, obviously, we know what that is. Wasted. Don't be going wasted. It just blows my mind how many people claim the name of Jesus, you know, in a Green Bay area and go out and get totally toasted out of their brains and bars and stuff. What in the world are you thinking? And the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. It says don't get drunk. Get out there, plastered out of your mind and partying and stuff. Again, when non-Christians do that, I don't have a problem with it. I've never freaked out when a non-Christian acts like a non-Christian. I'm not. You know, people just freak out. You know, they're, they're out there committing adultery. They're out there getting drunk. There's homosexuals having sex. Stuff doesn't freak me out. What fries my Puerto Rican pancakes is when Christians do that. Claiming to be people of God, people of faith, go out there just acting and behaving like heathens. Why is this important? Because he says this, he goes on, he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Big, heavy statement here. All the stuff that we've read through here, if you, people who live this way, not that we don't all stumble at times, all People stumble in all kinds of different ways. Nobody's perfect. And that is everything on the list here. You know, People make mistakes and, and fall in sin. But man, you live like this and you keep doing this and you don't repent from this kind of stuff. 
you know, it says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now there's people who, who don't believe that. They think that as long as you pray the prayer that you're okay. I don't think so. This is, you know, so well, I believe in Jesus. Well, it takes more than just believing in Jesus. Remember when we did the study of the book of James? He said the devil believes. They all believe. All the demons in hell believe. It's not going to do them any good. It takes more than believing. It takes doing the right thing. So, well, I struggle with the right thing. Okay, the answer is not for me to yell at you. The answer is for you to start walking in the Spirit. If you will live by the Spirit, he says, you will not fulfill these things. That's the answer. Okay? This isn't about condemning people, making people feel bad or struggles. What he's trying to say is, you see all this stuff? You see all this stuff that's just right out of the pit of hell? This is what you need to avoid. Paul, how do I avoid it? By living in the Spirit. And then he says, so, so this was obvious what, what, this, what the wrong things are. Let me show you, he says, what the fruit of the Spirit is. And there he goes into it. The fruit of the Spirit is, is love. Love. Joy. The emotion of excitement by the acquisition of or the expectation of something good. Joy comes. Peace. I love this one. How do they translate peace? A mental or spiritual condition marked by freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts. Hallelujah. Peace. How many want more peace in your life? Yeah. Hallelujah. You know how you get there? By, by getting in the spirit. By meditating on positive things. Instead of worrying and rehearsing in your head over and over again the negative. This might happen. This might happen. This might happen. You stop that. And you start reflecting on what God says. And God's blessings. And God's, and it brings peace into your life. Hallelujah. You live longer too. Um, patience. I got to kick out of this one. Patience. The, the, the word here doesn't mean, uh, you know, handling boredom or putting up with time or, you know, not freaking out because the hamburger is taking so long to come to the window. <laughs> I'm so impatient. Well, patience means this. It means the capacity or habit of enduring evil, adversity, or pain with fortitude. <laughs> That's, how many of you want that? Ugh, nobody wants to sign up for that one. You know, but we need it. <coughs> the King James Bible uses the word long suffering, which means suffering for a long time. <laughs> this is a fruit of the Spirit. Are you hearing me? It's a fruit of the Spirit. When you're walking in the Spirit, you now have, are enabled to have the capacity of enduring adversity and pain. Well, we think, well, no, 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 no. If, if I'm really in the spirit, I'll never have adversity or pain. <laughs> if I just love Jesus, I'll never have adversity or pain. I just know it. <laughs> You're on drugs, man. How many of you love Jesus? How many of you have had adversity or pain? Who the same hands. How about that? Sometimes things don't go the way that we hope. The truth of the matter is, it's going through the fires that purify the goal of our soul. This is the thing. I mean, I don't like pain. I'm, I am the biggest girly man in the world when it comes to pain. Man, you know, I don't, I don't know how you guys do that stuff, smashing into each other. I just, I just run the other way. Ah! You know. But I just, you know. But honestly, if, if you don't experience the challenge of life, uh, you know, it's going through tough times that, that turn you into something solid. You know, we've gone through in our lives just some horrible, horrible things. I thought you were a man of faith. I am. And we've trusted God going through these things. And, and, and a lot of people, as soon as they, they run into pain or adversity, they think God has forsaken them. And, and they run. But no, 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 this adversity, this pain, these challenges, it's an opportunity for God to move in your life. How many of you want a miracle? Yeah, the bad news is only people who need miracles get them. Right? 
We all want miracles, but nobody wants to be in a position where you need a miracle. You know who got the miracles in the Bible? Look at some of these cats. You got Daniel thrown in the lion's den. Woo! Hallelujah! Yeah, the bad news is you got thrown into a lion's den. Right? The three Hebrew children got thrown into the fiery furnace. Came out. Woo! Bad news is you got thrown into a fiery furnace. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. The bad news is you got to be dead. Paul and Silas. They're in jail and, 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 and all of a sudden this earthquake comes and sets them all free. Cool. But the bad news is you had a bad day. They arrested them. They beat them senseless. Bloodied them. Threw them into jail. And this is, this is not Brown County Jail. This is jail, jail, icky jail 2,000 years ago. Ugh, jail. Chain them. Misery. Just a, I'm telling you, most of us would think God left us a long time ago. If we had a day like that, now remember, they were doing the right thing. They were doing the right thing. They were preaching the gospel. They were standing up in front of everybody and proclaiming the good news about God's love. What did they get for it? Arrest, the snot beat out of them, thrown into jail, and they're hanging there at midnight. Most of us would just go, (laughs) I guess this, this isn't real. I guess God isn't real. (laughs) If God really loved me, I wouldn't be going through any of this. These guys didn't think this way. What does it say? They started singing to God in the middle of the night. At midnight, after a day like that, they're singing praises to God. The Bible says all the prisoners listen to them. Whoa. Whoa, these are crazy people. They, they should, in their mind, they should be cursing God. God let them down. God let them, they were trusting God and God let them, they should be cursing God and blaspheming God and saying, I'll never do this again. No, 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 no. They praised God. They worshiped God. Why? Because they'd been walking in the spirit and God had given them this incredible ability to tolerate pain and suffering and discomfort and things not going right. And in the midst of things not going right, they are worshiping and praising. And then the miracle comes. And all of a sudden, earthquake, and chains fall off, and they got out of there, you know. Amazing stuff, but see, this all comes as a result of letting the Spirit of God empower you. And by the way, you can't really, you can't really manufacture this. I love the fact he says, you know, here's the acts of the sinful nature, but the fruit of, he calls it the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of times, people try to make this stuff happen in their life. I, I gotta have more of this. I, I gotta be more patient. I, I gotta be more kind. <laughs> I just hate that guy. I want to kill him. I, I, I gotta be this. I gotta have more love, love, love. It'd be so much easier to love people if there were no people. <laughs> and we go, okay, I gotta try. Oh, I gotta try. But see, the thing with fruit is it just happens. It just happens. Fruit just happens. An apple tree. You don't ever walk by an apple tree and watch it going. (coughs) (coughs) (laughs) I tried. Nothing happened. It's just natural. It just happens. Why? It's an apple tree. If you're an apple tree, you're going to have apples. If you're a pear tree, you're going to have pears. If you're a cherry tree, you're going to have cherries. The stuff just comes naturally. They're not out there sweating away at it. They're just kind of chilling. <laughs> Hanging. Checking out the birds. The fruit of the Spirit comes naturally. If we're not experiencing those things, the problem is, is that we're not plugged into the Spirit. You see. If we're planted in the spirit and living a spiritual life, then these are the natural outcomes of of being plugged in the spirit. If you look at your life and you go, you know, I don't have any of those things. I got more of that first list. You know, you got a problem. Okay? Uh, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, self-control. I talked about that. I mean, we live in a culture today that people, they do not believe self-control is even possible. You know, you gotta, people gotta 
fornicate. People got to masturbate. People got to lie. People got to cheat. People got to still can't help it. You just can't help it. You can't help it. You know, check out all the women around you. Yes, you can. It's called self-control. You say, well, I have a hard time with that. That's because you're not planted in the Spirit. You can't make these things happen. The Spirit of God empowers... You have to understand, being filled with the Spirit of God empowers you. It empowers... What does that mean? It helps you not to live naturally, but supernaturally. What is supernatural? It's being able to do beyond the natural. So God... You know, there's no glory in God if you live naturally. Whoop these things can do. Anybody can live naturally. What brings glory to God is when you can do things supernaturally. You're able to do stuff beyond what you should be able to do. You're actually nicer than you should be able to be. You actually are able to tolerate more injustice than you normally would. You're kinder than you would normally be. You, you're all of these things. Why? This is what happens when the Spirit of God comes in and you start flowing in the Spirit of God and He empowers you and you start transforming from a natural human being to a supernatural human being. Now that doesn't mean necessarily, you know, uh, you know, raising the dead and splitting the seas wide open, you know, like Moses or something like that. But it just talks uh, supernaturally in your life. How many of you, you know what I'm talking about. You start walking in the Spirit and all of a sudden you're able to be at a level that you never thought you could be before. This is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is what he empowers. And what he's trying to encourage us, guys, let's live by the Spirit. Let's not live by the flesh. And in fact, if you try to be a Christian on your own energy, in your own strength, I pretty much can guarantee you will fail. There is the bad news. (laughs) The bad news is you can't really do this stuff. The good news is is Christ in you can. If you will let God have his way in your heart, if you'll quit getting in the way, let the Spirit of God move in you and turn you into a spirit tree, you'll start seeing fruit coming out that you never thought was possible before. And it will transform your life. So then he says, against such things there is no law, there are no restrictions against these wonderful things. And then he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. These are people, as I said before, you make an intentional decision. I'm not going to live this way anymore. And they've taken these things and they have crucified these things. Not to say that you're perfect. Not to say that you don't ever fall into temptation. Not that you won't sometimes make mistakes. But your attitude is, I am done with this. I am done with this. I am done with this. I'm not going to live this way anymore. It's called repentance. It's called, I was going this and, and I repent. And I'm going to follow after God. I I might stumble sometimes. I I might fall. I might, you know. And it's okay. God will help you grow. God will help you grow. As long as you grow. Okay? When, When my, you know, little grandchildren poop their pants, I don't make a big deal out of it. I don't yell and scream at them. If my son poops his pants, I got a problem. Are you hearing me? He's 28 years old. He shouldn't be pooping his pants. The two-year-olds, I can let that slide. All right? You know, little Monty, he hasn't even started walking yet. When he starts walking, you know what he's going to do a lot of? Falling. A lot of falling. A lot of, you know, we don't after three times go, (laughs) this kid is worthless. He keeps... He keeps falling. Look at that. We need a new one. <laughs> I'm trying to encourage some of the, you that, that, that are young Christians. Don't freak out. You know, some of you still struggle. Even though you've made, as long as you've made that decision, I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to serve God. If, if you stumble, if you fall, if you poop your pants from time to time, you know, the, the spirit of God will help you grow. And mature. If you've been in this for years and years and years as a believer, and you're still doing these things, then then we got a problem, and uh, and and we can help you. And you need to come from help. Matter if you're still struggling with the same old stuff 10, 15 years later that you were at the beginning of your Christian walk, you're not growing. And if and if if uh, if uh, you know Parker stays this tall at 12 years of age, that's a problem. You know what I'm saying? Right now it's okay. He's two. It's when you, when you quit growing, then, then we need to deal with something. Something's not quite right. As long as you're growing in your faith, there's grace, there's mercies. Um, 
and, and we love people. You know, it's, it's not about condemning people. Um, so anyway, those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. So in that whole thing, all he's trying to lay out is say, guys, the key to all of this stuff, it's not the legalistic rules of the Old Testament, which tried to keep people in line, but it never changed their hearts. You know, they, they could technically do the right things, but it never changed your heart. But when the gospel came, then it's not about these Old Testament regulations anymore. It's about walking in the spirit. It's about God changing you from the inside, not the outside. See, their whole thing uh, uh, in this legalism was changing from the outside. That's why they told these guys to, to get circumcised and, and, to, and act like Jews and start following all the Jewish rules and stuff like that because they were trying to change them from the outside. And what Paul is saying through this whole thing where he's so mad at these people saying very unseemly things to them is that it's not about what's happening on the outside. It's what happens on the inside. If you'll do this right on the inside, it will affect the outside. Then again, he's not kidding around. If you're outside, if you keep bringing fruit of death and destruction and all these sins, what he's really saying is, you need to examine yourself. You may have never changed on the inside. Because those who are following after Christ, they've crucified this stuff. They've moved on. They start seeing new fruit in them. It's not about being perfect, but, but new fruit needs to start coming if you start doing this the right way. Hallelujah. All right, chapter 6. We've got a few more of these in here before we go. Brothers, he says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are, who are spiritual should rebuke them and drag them in front of the church and tell everybody what filthy sinners they are because they poop their pants. Is that what it says? No, if, if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Why? Because it's about helping each other grow. It's not about condemning each other. Having said that, this is different than saying it's okay to sin. Do you see that? We're really fine line. I keep trying to clarify that because there's a lot of people who think, well, Pastor Mark said it doesn't matter what we do. Pastor Mark never said that. It is important what you do. You need to do the right things. We're not going to hate you and condemn you and stuff for it, but you need to start living in a spiritual way so you start having spiritual results instead of a sinful way with sinful results. But if you sin, if you mess up, we need to encourage you. We need to restore you. We're not going to hate you and, and, uh, and, and condemn you and humiliate you. Uh, it says, now, when uh, we are restoring someone like that, he says, watch yourself or you may also be tempted. Really, a lot of that has to do with, don't be arrogant. You know, a lot of these people, they get so arrogant condemning others and they get caught in the very sin that they condemn others with. You know, uh, if I see someone fall into a sin, I, I don't mock them and ridicule them and stuff. Man, I, I be careful because I don't want to do the same thing. I don't want the same thing getting on me. You know, uh, again, I'm not shocked when people make mistakes at all, you know, um, and I've heard them all. You know, some of them are a little disappointing, <laughs> particularly where people should be in their lives. But, you know, people are not are not perfect. And when you deal with people, you're going to have ickiness. You know that scripture where there is no ox, the stall is clean. But when you have an ox, you get ox poo all over the place. You deal with people, you're going to have poo all over the place. It's okay. We just clean it up and move and grow. Um, he says here in verse 2, he says, we need to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, now, keep this in mind, what he just said. Carry each other's burdens. Then he says, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. And don't be arrogant. Don't think, you know, I know so much about the Bible. I've been, I've been going to church for three years here, and I really know everything. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. Don't compare yourself to other people. You know, I'm, I'm holier than that guy because I don't do what he does. And I'm more patient than she is. And, you know, you, the only comparison we should be having is with Jesus. And that kind of humbles you real quick when you do that. Don't think yourselves better because you haven't sinned like somebody else has sinned or made a mistake to somebody else. But by the grace of God, there go we all. Okay? So, he says, you know, uh, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And then he says in verse 5, for each one of you should carry his own load. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just said you should carry each other's burdens, and now you're saying you should carry your own burdens. Well, look at the context. For those who are weak and struggling, we should help carry their load. 
But as mature believers, we need to learn to start carrying our own loads. All right, that's the whole concept of, of maturity in growing up. So in a sense, we should be responsible for ourselves, but then we live in a community that feels responsible for us. Okay? I mean, you can't just say, well, I, I, I'm not praying more because cause she didn't do something right. All right? I'd be nicer if it wasn't for him. You know, I mean, you know, you can't blow it off on other people. We all have to be responsible for ourselves. But even when we struggle and we fail... In a church, healthy church community, we should all be there for each other, to encourage each other, love one another, to get this stuff right. Okay? Uh, okay, we'll end there, and then we'll pick it up uh, next week, and we'll probably, I think we'll finally actually finish this book. We've been stuck on this one phrase for a long time, three weeks, but uh, we'll get through this, and uh, we'll finish this up. Pretty cool. Okay, uh, we're going to end our service. Our ushers are going to come. Our musicians can come back up. Uh, actually, I might as well read the next verse because this is perfect for an offering. Uh, verse 6. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. <laughs> Come on down, ushers, usherettes. Uh, that's exactly what he's talking about. If you're getting fed spiritually, you should give and support those who feed you spiritually. Um, It's not right to go to a restaurant and eat and then um, not pay the tab on the way out. And that can be in any line of work. I don't care what line of work you're in. You want people paying their deal when they come to see you do your deal or whatever work that you do. And, And what the Bible says here is it should be the same for us. If you're blessed, if you grow from this, if you say, wow, this church helps me and ministers to me then the right thing for those who of us who receive this instruction is to support the work of the instructor or in this case the, the, the church that, that helps make all of this possible and you guys are fabulous in doing this and we share love and appreciate your support it's, it's the right thing to do let's pray Father we thank you for your word for your power for your strength we love you God we pray Lord above all things that you will help us to start walking in the spirit Lord so that these wonderful fruits will come naturally to us because of of your working inside of us Lord Christianity isn't so much our responsibility as it is our response to your ability in us and I pray Lord God that you would empower each and every one of us here help us to walk in your power in your spirit help us to start living not just wonderful natural lives but super natural lives because of your spirit and your grace inside of us. Help us to grow in this, Lord, to experience you in all your reality and your power and your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Go ahead and pass those around.